Just a little clarification on the slide that was up here. I always have to do something with that, uh, with that fun slide. It's grade three, not grade five. So, hey, you guys come back. <laughs> Hi, I'm Joel Buffington. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, trust that you have had a good week. It's been a busy week around here, uh, but a, a, a great week. And uh, I am just delighted to see each and every one of you here today and uh, thrilled by what I see God doing in our church, in the lives of, uh, in the lives of uh, so many of our families. And uh, trust that this morning, no matter where you're coming from, no matter what kind of week you've had, that you will find uh, encouragement, that you will be uh, pointed towards the Lord in, uh, in, in your life this morning. I feel uh, a little inadequate to, to talk to you this morning. Um, I've got a lot that's just been going on. I feel like the Lord's been really speaking to me to share. And so this morning, I, I want to I just talk to you and share with you some things that, uh, that are really on, on my heart I know over the past couple of weeks, uh, as we've wound down the, uh, the holidays, Christmas, New Year's, and uh, spoke here just a couple of weeks ago and challenged you to look back on the year and to look ahead and see the footprints of God with you in the past and, and hold on to the, the truth that God will walk with you in the middle of the struggles that you have in the future because of his faithfulness in the past, and we can cling to that. And Last week, Pastor Tim shared, shared with us a beautiful thought from Proverbs uh, about pursuing love and faithfulness as we continue to walk the road that God has placed in front of us as a church. And what a privilege it is to pursue that and to look forward to what God has in, in, in store for us and, and how can we continue to follow God? How can we continue to have an impact? How can we make a difference in each other's lives, in the lives of our community, in the lives of the ones that are surrounding us? But something I have heard repeatedly over the past, particularly three weeks, that I've heard over and over again, and uh, I think I've even said that once or twice, uh, is this little phrase, I just can't. I just can't do it. Or, my life is so busy, I just, I just can't do this. And I was thinking, you know, here, we're, you know, if, if, I'm, if I feel that sometimes, I know that you feel that way. And, and I know as we come through the holidays, boy, is, is it a busy time for you? Is it a busy time for you? Yeah, hey, let's wake up. Come on, here we go. <clears throat> it's crazy. 
We're, we're going 9,000 miles an hour and we have all these things, you know, to do. And here it is, a new year. Let's step into that. And, and, I, and, I, and I, was, I was thinking that, you know, here I'm standing in front of you and challenging you a couple of weeks ago. Come on, here we go. Let's look back and look forward and plow, plow on. And in, in the back of my mind, I'm wondering if physically a lot of people are going, oh, I can't do it. I can't believe it's a new year. Where did the year go? And I'm tired. And, and, and I thought, if you're feeling that way, and I'm hearing this repeatedly, I wonder if we're feeling that way spiritually as well. Where sometimes we think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm coming up and I'm, I'm giving you a challenge, and I know that I have felt this way as, as I've heard messages, not, not from Tim or anybody, but I've been really, really convicted and, you know, like, I'm supposed to be this kind of father that, that loves his kids, you know, crazy, and I'm never to provoke them to, to, to wrath or anger, and I'm to lay down my, my, my life for my wife, and I'm to love my wife like Christ loved the church. And, and I'm sitting there going, yeah, right, I can't do that. I'm such a loser. I'm a failure. I can't do this. And, I, and, I, and sometimes I can walk away going, oh, good night. I can't do that. And if I feel that way, I wonder if you do too, occasionally. As we stand here and we proclaim the goodness of God, we proclaim we should be consumed with the glory of God and consumed with a passion. And sometimes I'm just like, I'm consumed with, I just want to take a nap. And how can I constantly do that? And how can I constantly love people? And how can I get along with this sister that is driving me crazy? And I know God wants me to love everybody. And I'm supposed to, you know, do all this, this stuff. I don't, I don't have problems with my sister, by the way. I'm just, it's an illustration. <clears throat> and I wonder if we struggle, because I do. I wonder if you struggle. And you find yourself telling, telling yourself, I, I can't. I don't know how. I kind of had that problem for a long time. You've heard me tell some stories occasionally of uh, days of old in my life, playing soccer and whatnot. And I have proof that I actually played. <clears throat> I think I have proof. <clears throat> I'm the one that doesn't have the headband. <laughs> so that, was, that was a long time ago. Um, we'll just leave that there. <laughs> I'll leave that there. I, I, I remember this. You know, there are some instances in your life that you, re, you remember. My sophomore year, we're, we're playing in the state tournament. And uh, it was freezing cold in Jacksonville, Florida. I think it was like in the 40s, I think it was. <laughs> we were so cold. And uh, playing in the soccer tournament, and had we're playing against uh, Pompano Beach, and 
there are moments in the game when I, we, we had it, we had it, we had it won. It was, it was, it was there. It was within our grasp. And our side of the tier was much stronger than the other side of the tier. And so if we beat these guys, we got the championship. It's, it's, it's ours. And, uh, we had a freshman that was playing on our team. <clears throat> His name was Dale. I'll just leave it at that. <clears throat> and, um, uh, we're at, the end, we're at the end of the game. We're tied up. We've gone into overtime. It was a hard-fought game. We've got them on penalties. I know we do. I know we do. Um, and there's just a couple minutes left in the game on this beautiful, beautiful field. And uh, Tim, Tim that played for Pompano Beach, I eventually went to college with him and played, and he went on to fame and glory. I crashed and burned. <clears throat> um, All-American this, all-American that. But he was, he was playing his heart out, and I was matched up against him. And he, he hits this, this shot, easy, just a little roller, you know, no big deal. And our keeper there, Shep, he was down on his knee, going to scoop it up. And Dale comes out of nowhere, the little skinny freshman, and decides he's going to save the day and clear, the, clear it. It's rolling to Shep. Leave it alone. We're all relaxed. Oh, we got this. It's good. And Dale comes out of nowhere. I think his legs were like eight feet long. Ching, ching, ching. And he took a swipe at the ball and missed it terribly, hit it, and went off the side of his foot and into the opposite upper corner of our own goal. Own goal. I was so angry, frustrated, and... I couldn't be consoled. I went to my coach afterwards, and I was just like, I can't do it all. So frustrated, you know. And he just looked at me, put his arm around me, and said, so, Joel, that's not your job. You don't have to do it all. And then he was just like, if you would have spent a little bit more time with him, maybe you could have told him. Or if you would have communicated better in the backfield, it's just like, God, I don't need to hear that right now. We just lost the opportunity for the championship. <clears throat> I can't do it all. I couldn't do it. Throughout my time as that, that God has given to Angela and I, I've, I've, and on a couple of occasions, I've called my father and been, you know, called my father. I, I, I called him almost every day just because I loved him, wanted to talk to him and communicate to him. But there were some times whenever I would call him and say, I really need to talk to you. And this reoccurring theme would come up. You know, I'd, I'd have it with something that was going on. And I can't make this thing work. I can't, this, this thing that we're trying to do, there's such resistance. Or, there, you know, we're trying to do something with the youth department or a different program. And why can't this, this work? I, I, I can't do this. And my dad, in his own way, 
every time would point me back to one scripture. I think I've shared with you before about that particular your scripture. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. But basically he said, Joel, when you think you can't, know that you can, but you can't do it on your own. When you think you can't, know that you can, but you can't do it on your own. And right now you're trying to do it on your own. Why was I trying to do that on my own? Why was I trying to do anything on my own? Why? Because, first of all, I'm male. It's kind of a male thing, you know? We do things. We fix things. We attack things. And this morning, what I'd like to do is share with you, not about soccer, but a a simple lesson from an old fisherman. A simple lesson from an old fisherman. And essentially... I want to say this, when you find yourself saying that you can't, know that you can, but you can't on your own. Now, why am I saying that? The old fisherman, and you've probably guessed by now, if you have any kind of background, is Peter. Peter, the leader of the disciples. Peter, the one that was constantly trying to do stuff. Peter, the one that God had uniquely gifted and chosen to be the leader of the disciples. And quite often, the Spirit of God came on him and he did some pretty amazing things, made this wonderful declaration, you know, you're the Messiah, we, we know who you are. And other times, you know, he's doing crazy stuff like jumping out of a boat, walking on the water, and then... You know? And he got wrapped up in three and a half years. Imagine this. He got wrapped up in three and a half years of walking with Christ, seeing the miracles, seeing and hearing the teaching over and over. And he got to a point where he thought that he was something. And he could do this. I've got this. And the story unfolds as we, 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 we think about Peter and his life. You know what he did, if you know anything about the scriptures. He denied Christ. But about 30 years later, he writes to some churches. He's learned some lessons over the years. I don't know what it is about time, but uh, the older we get, God gives us great opportunities to have life experience and learn some wonderful lessons. And I want to share something that he learned with you this morning. So I invite you to take your Bibles and to turn to the book of 2 Peter. 2 Peter. If you don't have a Bible, there's uh, one in the pew near to you. One's an older red Bible, another's uh, a, a newer. If, if you have the old one, it's page 1180. If you have the new one, it is page 983. Second Peter chapter 1. As, as Peter begins to write and share, he's writing to... 
believers that have been scattered because of persecution. He's writing to believers that are new and young in their faith. He's writing to believers that are facing teaching that is contrary to what Jesus taught. And so you combine those things, and you would have an audience that may have a tendency to say, I can't do this. I don't know about, uh, about what's going on. And they're struggling in their faith. And Paul, or excuse me, Peter writes to them and encourages them. And he says some amazing things in 2 Peter chapter 1. He gives this wonderful introduction, much like the rest of the writers of the New Testament. He says this, he says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. That servant is that same type of servant that that Pastor Tim was talking to us about over Christmas, a bond servant, someone that has willingly given themselves over to live the life of a slave for Jesus Christ. And he writes, to those who are the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith as precious as ours. He says, in other words, he says, I'm writing uh, this to you about those who experience with God is is as life-changing as the one that I have had. Peter's life was radically changed. And then he gets to verse, verse 2, and he says this, Grace and peace be yours in abundance. How? Through the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ, our Lord. In essence, I don't, I don't, I don't really like this particular translation, the way that it, it says. He says, Grace and peace to you many times over. I'm wishing this upon you. But you're going to know this as you deepen your experience in Jesus. He says, you'll know this by knowledge. It's not just knowledge that's up here in in your head. This is knowledge that you experience with your heart. Jesus revealed himself to the disciples. And as Peter walked this earth and saw the miracles and saw the teaching, and even after he denied Christ, His heart was touched because Jesus compassionately restored him and said, I'm not done with you. You haven't failed. I have a great plan for you. And his heart was engaged. And as a result, he began for 30 years to live passionately for Christ with a different mindset than he did before. And so he writes... And saying, oh, I want you to know this grace and peace experientially. The more that you get to know this God who loves you and has given you everything, the more you'll understand and experience the grace. And then he says something amazing in verse 3. He says, his divine power, who? Christ's divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him, once again, that experience of him. What he says is that everything that goes into a life of pleasing God has been miraculously given to us by getting to know personally, intimately, experiencing 
the one who invited us to God. And he goes on and says that, that through, through these, this, these uh, through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you can participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. God's promises have been given to us so that we can live and walk and move and experience all that stuff that God has given to us. Now, what's he saying? He's saying that God has given to believers everything that we need when we face struggles, when we face the life that we live in. And we, when we find ourselves saying we can't, we need to understand that we can, but we can't do it on our own. Where does he get this teaching? Where does he get this understanding? I think it's, it's, it's very, very incredible to go back and look at, G, at Peter's interaction with Christ. And I want us to turn to one more passage of Scripture. I want you to turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. If you have the old Bible, it's uh, page 1046. The new one, it's page 876. 1046 and 876. Now in John chapter 15... It's a continuation of a thought from, from the events that are happening in chapter 13, 14, 15, and on. What's going on? Jesus is gathering his disciples together and giving them one last, one last class session, if you, if you may. Jesus gathers them in the upper room. They have the last supper to that, together. And Jesus says, Peter, you're going to deny me. In fact, everybody's going to forsake me, by the way. You're, you're all going to leave me. I'm going away. And Peter's, you know, Peter in his own confidence, his own flesh, he, you can, you can just see it. What do you mean I'm going to deny you? Are you kidding? And he steps forward. He says, no, Lord, you're wrong. <laughs> Jesus, you're wrong. I'm not going to deny you. In fact, I'll die for you. And Jesus looks at him and says, Peter, you're right. You're going to die, die for me one day. But before, before the next couple hours pass, you're going to not deny me, not only deny me, but you're going to do it three times. And Jesus continues to teach the disciples. And around the very table, the last table, the last time, those disciples are getting in an argument. They're so human. They get in this argument about who's the greatest and who's going to have the, 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 the best seat, you know, when Christ comes into his kingdom. I'm better than you. I'm more spiritual than you. I mean, can, can you imagine that? That's going on? And Jesus lovingly and patiently continues to teach them he teaches on many things, but he gets particularly in chapter 15, he gives this little discourse on the vine and the branches. And essentially, in, chapters, or in, in this first part of chapter 15, Jesus is giving this teaching on the vine and the branches, and he says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. 
I'm the vine, you're the branches. I'm going to produce fruit in you. You're not going to produce fruit. I'm producing fruit. I'm the vine, you're just hanging out with me. And as you obey me, I'm going to produce fruit in your life. You're going to see that. And then he makes this statement in verse 5. He goes, apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Now, wait a minute. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's powerful to think about that truth. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Peter goes on, and bless his heart, I, 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 feel, I feel for him. He goes on, and just a couple hours later, sure enough, he denies Christ. And he's broken, he's wounded, he runs away. By the way, the rest of the disciples did too, except for John. They all ran away. They were afraid. And as Jesus is crucified, Peter's a long way away. And then when news comes of the resurrection of Jesus, Peter hears it and he runs. Can you imagine? He runs, desperate, to see the empty tomb. He jumps in there and he sees it. Jesus had come to the, to the women that viewed the, the, the grave and said, please go back and tell Peter, especially tell Peter that I'm here. Story goes on in John chapter 21, how Jesus beautifully restores and forgives Peter and gives Peter something to do. Peter's a changed man as a result of that. And here, 30 years later, the old fisherman comes to us and he's writing to a group of believers that are at the end of their rope. Young believers, their faith is shallow. They're being persecuted for their faith. And he comes along with them and puts his arm around them, so to speak, and says, I don't know what you're facing, but God has given you everything that you need for life and godliness. And we you get into study about the life that's eternal life and, and whatnot, but that godliness is something that we live in and we struggle with today, here, now, in the present, that they were struggling with here. And he says, God has given you everything that you need. And it had, has echoes of John 15 written all of it. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And over the years, Peter had experienced success and failure, success and failure, and had learned the lesson that on your own, you cannot do anything. On your own, you cannot be the type of person that you're supposed to be and represent Christ to the world. That was the commission that was given to him. And on your own, you cannot do it. And that's the same lesson that I struggled with. And my dad pointed me to a different author, Paul. 
He pointed me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, where the scriptures say that we are not competent in ourselves, but God has made us competent to represent him well, to be competent ministers of the grace that he's given to us. And there have been times in my life when I thought I could do it. There have been times in my life whenever we do what men do. There's a challenge, there's something that's in front of me, and I'm going to kick the door in, I'm going to make this work, and I found out that I can't do it. I can't love others like I'm supposed to love others. I can't serve my wife like I'm supposed to serve all the time. I have this selfishness that's inside of me that wants to do what I want rather than living for others. And Peter says that you can have all this stuff through the experience of God. And as I've had the privilege of walking with God, I've learned some lessons. Lessons that I don't always apply, by the way. But there are times when I think I can't But God says, you can, but you can't do it on your own. I have to do it through you. That's what, if you can learn that lesson, that is what will enable you and I to live in love and faithfulness in 2013. As our hearts are engaged and we experience what God is doing for us, that hard experience of interacting with him gives us a greater knowledge, a greater experience of who God is and what he is. And as we get to know him in his word, and we discover that we can do things that we've never imagined that we could do. I can actually forgive that person who wronged me. I can walk through pain that God has allowed in my life and I look at somebody else and I want to point the finger at them and God has given grace to say, I forgive. God can give us the strength to endure testing. God can give us compassion for people when I don't feel compassion for people. God can give us the ability to give beyond what we think we can give. But I can't do it on my own. And sometimes when we're at the end of our rope or we've had a crazy day, we can end up saying, I can't. And in your Sunday school class or in your grace group, you can be challenged to do something or to dream big dreams for God. And you can be honestly sitting here, and I know we don't say this, but in our hearts we'd be going, I can't even face that. I can't even think about that. 
No one knows the deep hidden things that are in my heart. And if I was to ever come out and really say what I, 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 that's going on in the recesses of my heart, I don't know if I would be accepted. I can't be honest with people. I can't discuss the struggle that I'm having with pornography. I can't discuss the issues that I have with family members, with children, the frustration that I'm having with a classmate. And if we're not careful, we can be thinking in our own strength, our own, we're supposed to, to, to do this. We can't on our own. But God in his great mercy, Peter, the old fisherman, says, hey, everything that you need for life and godliness, God has given to you. You have it. You have it. I'm the vine. You're the branches. You hang out with me and you're going to see incredible fruit that you never dreamed of. So dads, I wonder if you're, you're struggling this week. If not this week, wait a couple of weeks, you will. And you're trying to figure out how in the world, how in the world can I lead my family spiritually? How, how in the world can, I, can I, I do this? I have so much baggage on my own. I have so much things that I'm struggling with and yet I'm supposed to... When you think you can't, you can, but not on your own. And students, when you walk the aisles, the, the, the aisles, the halls of school, they're aisles. <clears throat> when you walk the halls of school and you have that person that just irritates the snot out of you, and you hear that, who are you loving this week? Who are you impacting this week? You may have a tendency to go, I don't know. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to, I don't even know what to say. I just, I'm just trying to get through the day. And you say you can't, know that you can. But not on your own. And when you face an uncertain future, And the medical test came back. And we don't know. And you wonder, can I go on? And you say you can't. Know that you can. But you can't on your own. And the old fisherman comes to us. And he says that everything that you're facing in life, as you walk, and you interact with people through the knowledge of God, and we begin to know what he has done for us. The key, he says, he's given us great promises. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. My strength is is sufficient for you. My strength is even more powerful when you're weak. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. 
We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. He can teach us and show us how to have a lot and have a little and be content. He can teach us how to love people that are unlovely, even ourselves. And we think we can't. Peter says, know that you can, but not on your own. It's Christ in you and through you. And so as I stand before you throughout 2013 and challenge you to follow God wholeheartedly, know this, I struggle with this as well. And when Pastor Tim shows his heart and he goes through and he, he continues his teaching with us as we think about the hard teachings of Jesus, You've heard it said, if anybody, you know, commits adultery, that's bad, but you can't even have a thought. How can I live up to that standard? When you think you can't, know that you can, but not on your own. Christ in us and through us. And the old fisherman that denied Christ comes and says, I want to tell you something, everything that you need Everything that you need, God's given to you for life and godliness as you experience who he is. You come to know him deeper and more intimately and what a difference it'll make in my life and in your life. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would grip tightly to your hand in the middle of life. I pray, Father, that in you we would put our trust and our hope that we would find our peace and our strength in you because we can't do this Christian life we can't do this walk on our own Lord I thank you for the lesson from the old fisherman may it continually speak to our hearts throughout this week in Christ's name we pray Amen